are listening to another episode of the Niagara Moon podcast. I'm Thomas Irwin, and uh, I'm going to start a new series with this episode today. We'll see how far I take it. I think I could take it all the way up until the present, but I am discussing 10 songs from the 1960s that have inspired or influenced Niagara Moon and the songs I make there the most. And I might be able to get into the why of that a little bit. Um, But yeah, if you're anything like me, music recently has just been a really helpful form of escape. Um, And in my case, not just making music. I certainly am uh, working on a ton of new songs, as always, and especially with uh, all this time inside uh, as of the past few months. Um, So not just making music, but listening to music and just kind of delving in and relishing the music listening experience. It's it's just really uh, been helpful to have that, you know, it's a pressure valve, if nothing else. Um, just into the uh, the day to day of 2020. So I uh, I want to talk about a bunch of songs I really like, you know, and um, maybe uh, kind of peer into uh, how they have shaped the Niagara Moon sound, um, if that's of any interest to you. And uh, you know, you might listen to this and think, hey, I should check out that album or I should check out that song. If that happens, that's very cool too. I've spent enough time on the internet to know everybody loves top 10 lists, so I figure this would be the uh, most appropriate version of that for me to try. A few qualifiers here. So with this top 10 list of songs, um, some rules include not having more than one song by the same artist, because I don't just want to talk about the Beatles and the Beach Boys for this whole thing. <laughs> um, that's, uh, that's for sure one rule that uh, made it a more interesting exercise. Another thing is I am only discussing Western music if I, you know, brought my uh, Japanese music fascination into this conversation. It'd, it'd be too hard. It'd be, uh, I'd, I'd be spread a little thin. And uh, so that, that's just kind of a separate talk. But yeah, number 10 is Gentle On My Mind by Elvis Presley from the album From Elvis in Memphis. It's knowing I'm not shackled by forgotten words and bonds. I had the heat stains out of dried up on some love. That keeps you in the back roads by the rivers of my memory. That keeps you ever gentle on my mind. So maybe when you uh, think Niagara Moon, if you're familiar with my songs, you don't really think Elvis. (laughs) I usually don't either. Um, And I never really had any connection to Elvis or his music growing up. I just kind of totally ignored that, really. It just, it seemed uh, like it wouldn't be my style or it's just too old, antiquated. Um, When I was living in Japan and starting to kind of think and feel about America differently after being apart from it for so long, kind of developing a new uh, perspective on American culture just because I'd been outside of it for so long. I was like, should I give Elvis a chance? Is, is there something there? You know, just if, if I uh, listen to it really um, objectively, I don't know, just 
stop thinking of his his place in American culture like Coca-Cola or NASCAR and just uh, just try out some of his music as there's something in there for me. And um, I'm not really a rockabilly guy. I'm not like a classic rock and roll guy. But this one album from Elvis in Memphis is one of my favorite 60s albums. And I mean, part of that is just, you know, I, I'm realizing um, just the awesome uh, vocal prowess of Elvis. But this band he had, man, like, I love everything about how this this Nashville, no, not even Nashville, I guess that they were called the Memphis Boys, um, just a bunch of solid studio musicians. But all right, I'll give an example. Anytime I'm trying to put together a bass line, this gentle on my mind bass line kind of pops up for me. Like it's plays off everything else so beautifully and it's so nimble and so melodic and soulful. And it's it, a lot of times I, I've gone back to the song as a reference when, when I'm uh, putting a song together as, as if, if I'm going for this kind of groove, there's just something so light and beautiful about it. And that keyboard too, I, I guess it's a clavinet maybe. It's that da 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 I love how that's bouncing off everything else. It's, it's just a very unique instrumentation for me. And uh, it's difficult to put words to, but something about that song really struck a chord with me when I first heard it, and uh, I haven't forgotten it. And that song, Gentle on My Mind, that's, that's a classic. That's one of those songs, maybe like Angel of the Morning, where everybody has their cover of it. Um, you know, the, the songwriter of it uh, himself is, is maybe not as well-known. But uh, it's just, you know, it's the song more than the songwriter. That, that idea is interesting to me as well. That just a, a piece of melody and, and lyrics can just transcend its creation and, and all these other people can have their take on it. I always found that idea interesting as well. I don't know how much that relates to uh, Niagara Moon, but thought I'd throw that in there. Anyway, moving on to number nine, uh, which is Punky's Dilemma by Simon and Garfunkel from the album Bookends. Wish I was a Kellogg's cornflake Floating in my boat, taking movies Relaxed in a while Living in style Talking to a raisin occasion LA. Casually glancing at his toupee. Where to start here? Um, Paul Simon is one of my favorite songwriters ever. Just no, uh, no debate there. He's an amazing American songwriter and composer. Um, pretty peerless. And uh, if we're talking 60s, we're talking his uh, incarnation with, with Garfunkel. And boy, oh boy, do you have a lot of classics there. I mean, America, Sounds of Silence. The list goes on and on. But, you know, I'm not that kind of songwriter. It'd be ridiculous to compare myself to Paul Simon in the first place. But uh, this song, Punky's Dilemma, it's almost kind of a, of a throwaway and it's kind of goofy it's it's got this kind of swing jazz feel going on, um, some kind of surreal imagery. It's it kind of it hit a nerve with me. It's it's uh, again I'm I'm going back to the bass that that bass line the way it comes in and out. But like I've I've could point to songs that I've written that are 
directly inspired by that feel. Certain, certainly with my uh, previous band, Otarehan, it's a couple numbers there, but I love how there's like a little toy piano that comes in there. And uh, you didn't hear it in, in that snippet, but there's a beautiful um, harmonic. Of course, there's a harmonic part. You know, it's Simon and Garfunkel. They're known for their harmonies. Uh, they they sing a harmony in the in the bridge of that song. Oh, save California, and it's 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 um, it's really hard to talk about this stuff, guys, because it's why well, talk about music when you can just listen to the song. But it's the dreamlike atmosphere and the casual breeziness of it, and um, again that bass, that melody. You know, it's it's really hard to pick one Simon and Garfunkel song, but it it just it. Punky's Dilemma has that certain light touch that uh, made me choose it for number nine. And now we're getting into number eight, which is Whiter Shade of Pale by Prokel Harem. And that's the only song of theirs I know. I don't know what album it's on. Okay, so this song is most famous for its organ part. Absolutely, totally should be that way. Like what we just heard, I could listen to that loop over and over and over. Just incorporating that. I mean, it's kind of ripped off from Bach, right? Um, it's some some kind of based based on a composition of his, but just this Baroque phrasing in a rock groove, but it's kind of down tempo. It's it's uh, it just glides so easily. It's kind of melancholy. Um, to be honest, the overall content of the song as a whole and who these guys were as a band is a little lost on me. Um, but if we're just talking about things I heard that you know musical ideas that I encounter that uh, start start the gears spinning in my the gears spinning in my mind. I mean, this is such a touchstone for Baroque pop, that idea, mixing classical and pop and classical and rock together and, uh, you know, showcasing the keyboard. Um, yeah, it's uh, especially one of my uh, newest songs, Marching On. I mean, you could make a, a direct comparison with uh, the groove there and a Whiter Shade of Pale, I think. Um, so I, I don't have uh, a deeper take on this per se, but you know, for representing Baroque pop and, and keyboard-led pop in popular music. Got to give it up to Whiter Shade of Pale. So moving on to number seven, I have Stephanie Says by The Velvet Underground from, well, really, it's not from an official album. It's from a compilation album, VU. Stephanie Says that she wants to know Why she's given half her life To people she hates now Stephanie says So Wes Anderson was on to something when he decided this song out of any Velvet Underground song would uh, play in a seminal, seminal, <laughs> seminal moment of uh, one of his best films, The Royal Tenenbaums. 
if any of you have seen that movie, you know what I'm talking about. It's it's so pretty, that guitar and that uh, viola contribution. I'm guessing it's a viola by John Cale, of course. Man, the uh, the little Tinkerbell, uh, whatever that thing is, not a xylophone, but just hanging around at the, the top of the spectrum. Um, sounds like a toy piano. Lou Reed, man, uh, I kind of have a weird thing with him, but when he is on, he is so on. And just someone in that era singing that way, where it's like, well, he's kind of hitting the notes. He's kind of trying, but is he totally off? But does it just work out in its own beautiful way? Uh, like, what a weird singing voice he has, just all across the board. And, uh, I don't like Lou Reed when he's just talking like, nah, 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 like I'm going to be cool and not even try. I like it when he sort of tries to push himself and he's sort of hitting the notes, but he's still just giving the, this totally anachronistic character, to use a fancy word. Um, I was just, it's, it has a lot of personality to it. And it's, it's something I was especially uh, keen on when I, was, uh, when I was younger. He just has such an attitude. And the stories he tells with his songs are so... And again, for that era, like unheard of, but they're so kind of strange and contradictory and what's really the, the, the state of the character he's describing. And there's, there's kind of like oceans of mystery there. So I'm all about that. And I always, I've liked the softer side of Velvet Underground the most. So I just, I had to give it up for this song. It's, it's just so pretty and kind of just dances very lightly. That's the thing with all these songs. I like light and I like airy. Um, so yeah, beautiful song that, especially that, uh, kind of guitar playing the chords that way. We're talking Otarehan, uh, my Japanese band. I, I, uh, there's another song with my band Otarehan called I Worked It Out that I very much was going for a Stephanie Says vibe. But, um, yeah, when I, when I just think pretty 60s sound, that's, that's one of my go-to songs. Number... Six, we have a very kind of obvious choice here. I'm sure you're familiar with this one. Like a Rolling Stone by Bob Dylan from the album Highway 61 Revisited. How does it feel? How does it feel? To be without a home? Like a complete unknown? So until, let's say, fifth or sixth grade, my kind of diet of pop music was very, very limited and very uh, just rooted in the past, in the 60s. I, I didn't branch out of that for a while. But, uh, you know, in, in my early days of listening to music, obviously the Beatles were at the top, all of their albums. And then the other two guys were uh, were Paul Simon and Bob Dylan. I uh, was probably 12 or 13 when the No Direction Home documentary came out uh, by Martin Scorsese. That was playing on PBS. Uh, I did not have cable as a kid. I had very, very few uh, TV channels to choose from. PBS, of course, is one of them. And uh, I definitely took in that documentary more than once. 
Um, and, uh, you know, cause I just really didn't know a lot about music and rock stars or, you know, that, that world and the, and the crazy revolutions of the sixties that was all kind of surmised to me with the story of, of Bob Dylan and like a Rolling Stone, there's just something so energetic and electric, well, literally electric, but also, um, you know, metaphorically, it's it's so attention grabbing and it just energized me hearing hearing something like that and his uh, his cadence and his attitude in that song and just how the band sounds literally the band I think they were called the Hawks at the time but that's uh, that's Robbie Robertson and and all those guys so yeah I just I have a lot of memories with that song it was just very exciting to me um, to have a voice like that that really felt like a, a person speaking just or ranting at you but in a song with with a kick-ass melody also uh yeah i just uh it's it's a core part of me and um it's got to be this song in particular because i have recorded and released a cover of it hello hello um it's kind of an outtake for meeting peaches i ended up releasing it as a single you can only find it on spotify but if you're curious check out my totally slowed down electronic uh, I call it chill wave take on like a rolling stone um, it's kind of my little uh, dedication to it anyway moving on to song number five we have one by Harry Nelson from the album Ariel Ballet it's just no good since you went away now I spend my time just making rhymes of yesterday. Because one is the loneliest number that you'll ever do. So I first discovered the music of Harry Nielsen from that uh, Paul Thomas Anderson movie Magnolia. Uh, Amy Mann does a cover of this song in the beginning and uh, something about that melody and that that creepy electric piano kind of caught my attention right away. I discovered uh, Harry Nelson's whole discography and it really kind of just blew my mind at the time. He's like, it, I mean, it's kind of a cliche, but he's really like if the Beatles were all one person, this amazing singer, songwriter, uh, such a unique vocalist, such a beautiful tone um a really just weird enigmatic character um he wouldn't uh perform live you know back in his heyday in the late 60s early 70s uh he was super meticulous in the studio and he was so careful with uh, his multi-track recording of vocals i love his just his castles of vocal sound on a lot of his songs i guess you don't get it so much on this one but um I love his humor, and uh, I mean, he was the Beatles guy. He was like the Beatles' favorite songwriter, which, what a trip that must have been back in the day. Um, I just, I love uh, how he's just kind of an unsung hero of the uh, the mellow pop world. Um, he has all these, these classic hits that are so different from each other, but um, this song in particular, just everything from the, the presence of the electric piano and how he has the, the beautiful orchestral touches, uh, especially as it gets the bridge and mm, 
And it's so just kind of, it's, it's a haunting idea for lyrics and it's kind of a haunting melody. And yeah, it's, uh, I don't know how much more I can say about it besides just go listen to Harry Nilsson. He really is uh, one, of, one of my top guys for sure. I uh, just love his kind of childlike quality in his music as well. Anyway, we're moving on to number four, Maybe After He's Gone by The Zombies from the album Odyssey and Oracle. Maybe after he's gone, she'll come back, love me So this song, I mean, this whole album, I could have picked any song from this album, really, Odyssey and Oracle. It's, it's one of the, uh, the great psychedelic uh, triumphs of the 60s. It's, it's right there with uh, Sgt. Pepper's. And um, I just, I love everything about this album. And I guess uh, maybe after he's gone, this song in particular sticks out to me because of that piano line, that ding, 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 like that really high ringing percussive piano that's definitely a move that uh, that i've incorporated in a lot of my own songs i think i probably subconsciously got it from uh, from this tune in particular and of course brilliant vocal harmonies um just it's a really interesting blend of their voices and they they have these great parts and uh it's deceptively simple it's really effective songwriting and uh very keyboard based um, I know Rod Argent, one of the, the main members, was uh, definitely a, a pianist and a keyboardist mainly, so I, I always like that in a, in a pop song when I can tell that the pianist is in charge. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a great 60s album. Go check out Odyssey and Oracle. And we're getting to the, uh, the last three, the big three here. Um, so, of course, number three is going to be uh, I Just Wasn't Made For These Times by the Beach Boys from the album Pet Sounds. start here i mean pet sounds kind of speaks for itself it's such a hugely influential album i think particularly among uh sort of weirdo pop musicians it's kind of like a musician's music brian wilson is almost kind of like a, a musician's composer but uh yeah pet sounds start to finish is obviously a masterpiece a lot of the songs fall a little short with the lyrics you know it's it's just that sort of breezy, more uh, standard 60s pop cliche stuff. But this is the tune where uh, they're, they're tapping into a vibe that I don't think was ever mainstream and certainly not at that time. Um, it's it's uh, Brian Wilson kind of trying to touch on his uh, loneliness and sense of alienation. And with that, I mean, it kind of feels like the most uh, personal to him. And uh, that's always going to resonate for me when I'm listening to the song itself. You got a theremin in there. 
I mean, we're, we're getting into the wall of sound idea too, which I always love. I'm always about, you know, cramming tons of parts into a song until you can't exactly tell what's doing what, but it's still just all working together in unison. Yeah, it's a great song. I the the way the chords are going. I mean, maybe that's a, a harpsichord uh, leading the charge there with uh, with that chord progression. But it, it just feels like harmonically it can go anywhere, and it's it's like the sound of like a mind expanding. Um, wasn't it used in uh, that show Mad Men as like the uh, the LSD song when the main characters are tripping? That was the uh, the song of choice, which I can definitely appreciate that. Um, when I was making Eating Peaches, which is quite a few years ago now, uh, Love and Mercy, that movie came out that year, and I saw it the uh, the summer I was working on those songs, and I definitely uh, got the Brian Wilson bug, just the idea one guy, you know, can orchestrate so much and put it all together with the, uh, the vision he had, you know, and then you have all these amazing uh, players of the, the era just all coming together. Yeah, perfect storm. Uh, I want to put on pet sounds again. Anyway, we have for number two, I've talked about this song before. We have The Attic by Van Dyke Parks from the album Song Cycle. All right, so I'll say right off the bat, I don't know what's going on with the lyrics of pretty much any of his songs. It's it's uh, it's incomprehensible to me a little bit, but it's cool because Van Dyke Parks, especially in this album, which is very polarizing and it's not an album I recommend very casually because it's not a casual listen it's cacophonous it's it sounds mad like it it sounds like a mad composer's kind of music but it's a perfect well to to draw from for me when i'm uh, incorporating a lot of you know orchestral sounds into my songs and i'm getting away from drum space guitar approach there's there's so much in i mean all the songs on that album song cycle but this one it's it's a little more approachable it's, I love that, what do you got in there? You got reed instruments and you got the, the percussive quality of those strings. It's so dancey almost. It's, it's definitely a touchstone for me with, uh, with Pantheon Bar, one of the, uh, the big Niagara Moon numbers. Um, it's just, every time I hear that song, I hear a new part in it because there's so much going on at once and it just, it's, uh, it weaves itself together so beautifully. I'm I'm at a loss for words. It's just it's such a, a unique kind of way of putting together a song, and it it's way more classical or classically inspired than you know any of the other songs I've talked about on this list. And just in a fascinating way, it just kind of exists on its own in a vacuum, and uh, it's like I feel like it's music that you turn to when you feel like you've heard so much else. You just, you want the uncut, unfiltered, just like raw, like massive, uh, of sonic creativity and just so many ideas packed into uh, a tight little space. So not saying it's the best album, not saying it's the best song, not uh, 
imposing on anyone that they should really take it in for themselves. If you do, that's cool. I'm just saying that uh, it's very influential for Niagara Moon, the attic. Uh, I just I love the the way the um, the cellos and the the violas, whatever is going on there, how they just kind of dance around each other. Such a uh, such a cool soundscape. All right, so number one, we are here. And uh, you might have been able to guess this. We have Strawberry Fields Forever by The Beatles from the album Magical Mystery Tour. No one I think is in my tree. I mean, it must be high or low. That is, you can't, you know, tune in, but it's all right. That is, I think it's not too bad. So you know what? Um, the episode before this one, last week, uh, episode 48 of the Niagara Moon podcast, I discussed the whole album Magical Mystery Tour in depth with uh, my buddy Dan Barracuda. We talked about this song in depth. If you really want to uh, dig more into why I love this song in particular so much and you know what the, the Beatles music uh, means to me and, and kind of its role in my uh, my musical life, go check out that episode. How's that for a plug? Um, we're going to be doing um, more episodes together, Dan and I, in the future, talking about different albums. But uh, we started with the obvious choice. I will I will still pause that I think Strawberry Fields Forever is the uh, best Beatles song. And uh, obviously the Beatles, kind of the best uh, band of the 60s. And um, you can kind of take it from there with your... Uh, your own feelings on that, but that has been my uh, top 10 personally influential songs of the 60s. I had a lot of fun putting this list together, I'm not going to lie. This is uh, always a topic that is fun for me. I hope you enjoyed uh, hearing me explore these songs a little bit today, and uh, you know, if there's interest, I can certainly be back with uh, influential songs of the 70s for next time. That is a decade that interests me very, very much, probably even more than this one. So uh, I'm going to say ta-ta for now and stay safe. <laughs>